0: Let me begin by asking you a few questions this morning. Which seems healthier? A couple that comes to church for the first time, they are greeted by nobody, they are told that they are sitting in somebody's row and so they move and uh, they're made to feel invisible. Or, a couple who was greeted multiple times, invited to a small group or a Sunday school class, asked about their work and their family, their children, and they are told multiple times, we're so glad you're here today. Which is healthier? Which is healthier? A- a- an office environment where everybody competes for the boss's attention, gossip abounds, triangulation is always taking place, and passive aggressive behavior seems to be the norm. Or, an office environment where people work together, teamwork is a core value, failure for trying something new is not punished, encouragement is normal and open communication prevails. Which is healthier? One more, which seems healthier, a marriage where the husband and wife fight all the time They pit their kids against each other. The family rarely eats dinner together or does anything as a family and resentment is always present. Or a marriage where the husband and wife work together, they communicate clearly, they take time away to nurture their marriage, their kids know that they love them unconditionally and appreciation is always shown, which is healthier. Today we're finishing this June series where we've been focusing on leadership and values for the past 4 weeks or so looking at Paul's letters to Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And so today what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to you about culture and why it matters. When it comes to leadership, culture matters in the church. It matters in business, it matters in families, in marriage, and in all other areas of life. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes these words to Timothy. In the last days, distressing times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the outward form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid them, Paul says. Now I'm not going to make the case this morning that we are living in the final days, uh, even though some people might say that. But what I do know is this. Paul is accurately describing many people in our culture and the way that they behave. He is describing an unhealthy culture of pride and selfishness and arrogance, but this is not how Christ calls us to live. We are called to take a different stand, to be uphold to a different standard. You see, human beings are complicated creatures. All of us, and I mean every single one of us, have the ability to be kind, to be loving, to be hospitable, to be generous and compassionate. And yet, at the same time, we also have the ability to be selfish and angry and greedy and resentful. That same person, the same person, can behave the same way in one single day. And so it's always our choice But we must be aware that the way that we behave says a lot about what we have going on inside and it sets the culture for the people around us. You remember what Maya Angelou once said? She said, you might forget or people might forget what you said, they might forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And isn't that so very true in life? Now Kerry Newhoff is an author and a a church consultant that I respect and read and uh, he has lots of articles and blogs and recently he posted an article that was titled, Four Keys to Creating a Healthy Culture That Naturally Resists Toxic People. And his basic premise is this, healthy culture spits out toxic people but toxic culture spits out healthy people. Let me say that again. Healthy culture spits out toxic people, but toxic culture spits out healthy people. And now, what are the four keys that he mentions? Well, first of all, he says, leaders must focus on their own spiritual health, their own personal health, because an organization, a church, a business, a family, will only be as healthy as the leader is. And he argues that we should think of our health as having five basic needs. Spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs, physical needs, and financial needs. Spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs, physical needs, and financial needs. Now all of these matter and we cannot neglect any of them. But guess what? They're all related to each other. Leaders must pay attention to every single one of these areas because the health of the leader impacts the health of the organization. As Jesus says, a good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit, but a good tree will bear good fruit. Secondly, Nuoff says invest in people and not just in results. Leaders must care about their people and not just what they can get out of their people. Nuoff says if you focus on what you can do for your team then you will naturally get more out of your team. If you invest in your team and encourage them, then they will work that much harder. Third, he says, get rid of the us, them thinking and replace it with the we thinking. Uh, Us, them thinking is divisive. It leads to always blaming other people and pointing fingers at other people. Uh, uh, but, But take responsibility, work as a team, and you will accomplish much more. Remember these words, alone we go fast, but together we go far. Alone we go fast, but together we go far. And the fourth thing that he says is create firm boundaries. Unhealthy people are always breaking boundaries. Healthy people are trying to maintain boundaries, which is why they stay healthy. Now, some of this sounds obvious, right? I know this, you know this. Uh, we might know this, but we don't often act on this. But, but when it comes to leadership and culture, uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into the fundamental difference between healthy and toxic cultures and how we can establish them. Most people who are toxic are not aware that they're toxic. When Ian Cron was here a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, uh, speaking on the Enneagram and leadership, uh, he talked about the importance of self-awareness and self-control. Too many people in our culture have very little self-awareness. They simply don't know how they come across. But I do know this, when you walk into a toxic culture in any setting in life, you know it very quickly and you can't get away fast enough. But when you walk into a healthy culture, you also recognize it and it makes you want to stay. So what's the difference? Here are a few thoughts that I have this morning. And again, I think this applies to church, to business, to family, to marriage, and every other area of life. A healthy culture is based on love, but a toxic culture is based on fear. A healthy culture is based on people being selfless, but a toxic culture is based on people being selfish and always looking out for themselves. A healthy culture seeks to bring people together, but a toxic culture always wants to divide and pit people against each other. A healthy culture encourages talking directly to a person when there is an issue, but a toxic culture talks about and around people when there's an issue. A healthy culture feels safe to try something new even if you fail, but in a toxic culture there is a great fear of failure and punishment. A healthy culture, uh, people are grateful for each other. In a toxic culture, it's full of envy and jealousy and rivalry. A healthy culture, we always try to think win-win, but in a toxic culture, there has to be winners and losers. I want your family to have a healthy culture. I want your marriage to have a healthy culture. I want your business, whatever it might be, to have a healthy culture. And I want Woodmont Christian Church and its leaders to model a healthy culture. So the question then is, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Four thoughts to leave you with this morning. First of all, we keep developing a culture of radical hospitality. It means when people come here to this church, they are welcomed. When people come here, they are not invisible. When new members join here, we do everything we can to get them plugged in and connected to a group or a class or to a friend. Hospitality has been an essential part of the Christian tradition since very early on, since the very beginning of the church. And Jesus taught this and he encourages this. Whoever welcomes a stranger has welcomed me and whoever welcomes me has welcomed the one who sent me. Now, it's been said before, that people know within five minutes of being at a church and a restaurant I've heard by the way, if it's a place that they wanna come back to before they hear a sermon, before they hear music, before they take their kids to Sunday school, they just have a feeling of whether it's a place that they would wanna come back to. So hospitality matters and we can never forget that. Being a welcoming person matters. Secondly, A healthy culture means that we keep developing a culture of grace and forgiveness where we don't keep judging people for things that they have done in their past. We can't talk about forgiveness if we don't practice forgiveness. What did Jesus say? Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but fail to recognize the log in your own eye? First take the log out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Nobody wants to come to a place where they are judged all the time. They get that the other six days of the week. So when it comes time for church, we must build a culture that is focused on grace and forgiveness and not judgment and condemnation. Judgment and condemnation have done more to hurt the Christian faith than perhaps anything else. And yes, we're called to standards. And yes, we're called to live a certain way. But at the same time, Jesus also calls us to show grace and mercy to other people. Third, and this is really important right now, a healthy culture means that we must remain a church that seeks to unite people in a world that is always dividing them. This is at the heart of the Christian church. We believe in this with all of our hearts. That which unites us, Jesus Christ, is greater than that which divides us, Politics, social issues, socioeconomics, Supreme Court rulings. Jesus' final prayer in John chapter 14 was for all to be one so that the world might come to believe. But if you think about it, many times Christians have done the opposite. We've fought over issues, we've fought over doctrine over worship styles. We've fought over the role of women in the church and leadership and lots of other things. That's not what Jesus prayed for in Gethsemane. He prayed for unity, that all would be one. The polarization of our culture made evident again this week is a threat to Christianity. And if you don't believe me, look around. Look at the denominations that continue to split. Look at all the things the pandemic has done. I don't know whether you are uh, happy about Friday or you are angry about Friday. But if you look around, our world is always trying to divide people. And so what we have to do as a church, I believe is try to bring people together and never assume that everybody sees the world the same way that you do. We don't need more extremes. We need more unity. We need more dialogue. And Woodmont's always been committed to that, to remember that every other person is made in the image of God, and we must treat them that way. We must reject the dehumanization and the belittling of other people like we find in our culture, because that is not the way that Christians should behave. Finally, in order to create a healthy culture at Woodmont, we must remember that at the end of the day, it's changed lives that we are after. Changed lives is how we measure if the mission of the church is working. That's what we're in the business of doing, changing lives. And when you have a healthy culture, when you build a healthy culture, then lives are being changed and transformed all the time. So to those who are being installed later this morning, to those who are currently serving in leadership positions, I would say it's up to all of you all of us to build the kind of culture that we want to have here at Woodmont and to make sure that what we are doing is providing a hopeful and healing agent to a world that often feels very, very broken. Amen.